0: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate you tuning in to watch today. We hope that you'll stay tuned today. Uh, Today we're going to discuss the question, what is your conception of God? We hope that you'll stay tuned. We do appreciate those who may be watching today for the first time. And we get uh, calls from people who say, This is the first time I've ever seen Getting to Know Your Bible. I didn't know it was on the air. Well, we appreciate your watching and we want you to tell someone else about it. And we have people constantly who are saying, I watch you every time you come on the air. And of course, we're on twice a day. And we uh, have some who get up quite early in the morning to watch Getting to Know Your Bible. And we appreciate your interest in our telecast. We hope that you'll stay tuned today as we discuss uh, what is your conception of God. Now today we continue to offer the free Bible course that we have mentioned uh, on other telecasts. We have people all over the United States. As a matter of fact, we have students in all 50 states. We have students that are studying the Bible course in countries all over the world and we want you to be a part of this. We hope that you'll uh, request the Bible course today, but in order that you might know more about it, that you might know how to receive this free Bible course, let's pause for just a moment.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, Write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.
1: I'm reading now from Isaiah chapter 45, beginning in verse 5, reading through verse 7. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that you may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. What is your conception of God? Some people have a very limited view of God. A number of years ago, a man by the name of uh, J.B. Phillips wrote a book entitled, Is Your God Too Small? And some people have a very small, limited view of God. Children have a very limited view of God, although they do have such a trusting faith in Him. And then some have a cruel view of God. They think that He is a God who predestined people to heaven and hell before they were ever born. That's not the God of the Bible. God made us with the ability to choose to make decisions, and we can choose to obey or to disobey. But then some have an atheistic view of God. They do do not believe that God exists. Uh, But the evidence that there is a God is overwhelming. The heavens declare his glory. The firmament declares his handiwork. There are those that have a polytheistic view of God. That is, they believe there are many gods. The Bible says there is one God in whom we live, move, and have our very being. But then there are those that have a monotheistic view of God. They believe in the one God. It was uh, Moses who said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind. But then there are those that have another view of God. They, They try to localize God. I want to call your attention to a passage in the book of Romans, the third chapter, and in verse 29, because in this passage we see how people try to localize God. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. I want you to think about those questions that are asked in that passage. Is the one God just the God of the Jews? He says, Is He not also the God of the Gentiles? Sometimes we try to localize God by by thinking that He is our God, but He's not the God of others. I think that was a problem with Jonah when you studied the book of Jonah. I think he tried to localize God. He thought, first of all, that God was his God, but not the God of the Ninevites. And and he thought that he could outrun God. But Jonah learned that God is not localized. And God is not just the God of people who live in America. He's the God of the world. He, He is the God of people who live in the Mideast. The people who live in China, the people who live in Europe, people who live in South America, people who live in Australia. He's the God of the world. We cannot localize him by saying, well, now, he's my God. And he's not the God of a people of a particular color. He's the God of people of all colors. Jesus said, all power hath been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, to teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and I am with you always, even to the end of the world. When Jesus gave that commission, he gave those commands, the command here in the Matthew chapter 28. He, he commanded the disciples to go into all the world. And today, we are to carry the message about God and about Jesus and about salvation and about heaven and about hell to all people of all the world. People all over the world have a right to know about Him. We cannot localize God. Now, some think that God is a God from whom we can hide. And they try to hide from God. Adam and Eve tried to hide from God, and, and they found out, no, no, you cannot hide from him. You remember in Joshua, the seventh chapter, when children of Israel came up against a little town by the name of Ai, and they were defeated, and they found out the reason they were defeated is because Achan had hidden things in his tent, spalls of war, And he thought he could hide it from the people. And he thought he could hide it from God. But you don't hide a single thing from God. Cain thought he could hide his sin from God. And it may be that you think God is not aware that you can hide things from Him. Maybe you're hiding something from your husband. Maybe you're hiding something from your wife. Maybe you're hiding something from your parents. Maybe you're hiding something from the church. Maybe you're hiding something from your neighbors. You don't hide a single thing from God. Listen to Proverbs 15 and 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. There isn't anything that we ever do that God is not fully, totally, completely aware of. When you turn back to the book of Job, you turn to the 34th chapter of Job in verse 22. It seems as though Job may have had in mind uh, people today who think they can hide from God. Listen to him. There is no darkness. Sometimes people think they can hide things in the dark. Nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. There's just no place a person can hide from God. Then when you turn to the 139th Psalm, and in verse 7, beginning, David asked a series of questions, and the first question was, where can I flee from your spirit? Where can I get away from your spirit, Lord? And the answer is, of course, there is no place that a person can get away from the Lord's spirit. And where can I go from your presence? Well, David said, if I send up into heaven, you're up there. If I make my bed in the Sheol, in the grave, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning. And if I were to dwell even in the uttermost parts of the sea, he said, Even there thy hand shall guide me, and thy right hand shall uphold me. And then if a person were to say, The darkness shall not hide the darkness will fall on me, and the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, that is, hide from God. But the night shines as the day, The darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. Friends, there's no place that a person can hide from God. But some think that God is a God whose word is out of date. They they think the book that I hold in my hand is outdated and that we don't really need it anymore. But man's sin problem hasn't changed, nor has his need for a Savior the fact is, God does not change. In Malachi 3 and 6, the Lord said, I change not. James 1:17 says, He is a God with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. God does not change, nor does his word change. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and 23, Peter said the being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of, the, of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And in verse 25, he says that the word of the Lord endures forever. His word doesn't change and is not out of date. Fact is, man's out of date. Man's not caught up with the Bible. Man is way, way behind what this book has to say. We need to catch up with it. Man needs to get up to date. I see sometimes people sitting around on some of these talk shows and on television and and they're laughing about God and they're laughing about the Bible and they're laughing about people who who believe in God and and who believe in the Bible, but but I feel so sorry for them because they're so out of date. They need to catch up because God's Word is true. Romans 3 and 4 says, Let God be true, and every man a liar. In Matthew 24, 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but but my word shall not pass away. Friends, the Bible as it is, is adapted to meet the needs of man as he is. Man needs help. If we look at the world in which we live today and we don't believe man needs help, well then we've got our heads in the sand. Man needs guidance. Man needs direction. Man needs leadership. And the only place we will ever get that direction, the only place we will ever get that leadership is from God. Jeremiah ten twenty three says, O oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Man needs some help. No, the Bible is not out of date. God's word is just as up to date as it ever was. But then there are some who see God as a God who should prevent all suffering in the world? A question that frequently asked goes something like this If there is a God, why did he let this happen? You know that question is asked in the Bible in a little different language in Judges six thirteen. There the question is if the Lord be for us, why then is all of this befallen us? I don't believe there's anything that challenges our faith in God more than human suffering. And there are those that fail to believe in God because they cannot understand how a loving God would allow human suffering even though we may not understand all of the ramifications of suffering, we can know that the Bible gives some reasonable answers to this ancient problem. First of all, let me say, God does not cause human suffering. The God of the Bible always has the best interest of man in mind. In everything that God has ever done, God always had man's best interest in mind. God had man's best interest in mind when he created the heavens and the earth. And after he created everything, God said it is good. And he wanted man to have the best and he created the best for man. And God made a world without suffering. He made it without suffering. But it was Satan who corrupted God's perfect world for man. It was Satan who deceived Eve. It was Satan who brought corruption into the world and suffering into the world. Why, he told the woman, God said, if you eat of that tree, you'll die. And I'm telling you, you won't die. And man and woman both were tempted, and they sinned. And since that time, sin, suffering, and sorrow have been in this world. That's been the common lot of man. Job 14 and 1 says, man that is born of woman... Is a few days and he's full of trouble. Somebody says, Well, I've never had any problems in my life. You just not live long enough then. Do you realize that there would not be any problems in this world? There would be no trouble in this world. There would be no suffering in this world except for Satan? God made the world without suffering. Satan corrupted God's perfect world. Let's give Satan the credit that he's due. You see, in the beginning God set certain laws in motion for the ordering of the universe and for life on earth. And when those laws are violated, a price is paid. And no man would dare violate the law of God unless he first yields to Satan's enticement. Listen to James one thirteen to 15. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But, but a man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And, and lust, when it is conceived, bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You see... When a man violates the law of God, it's because he has yielded to Satan's enticement. The very fact that, that God made heaven and he made it as a place of perfection is evidence that God does not want man to suffer. While you listen to a passage in the book of Revelation, chapter 21 in verse 4, and God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. There shall nor, nor sorrow, that is suffering, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Yes, the fact that God made heaven is evidence that He do, does not want man to suffer. But the fact remains, so long as we are in this body, we will. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 4, Paul said, we that are in this body do groan, being burdened. So long as we live in this old world, we're going to have a certain amount of suffering. But please, please, don't blame it on God. It's not God's fault. Give the devil... His due. So man suffers when he violates spiritual laws. You know the Bible says, whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. Men suffer because of the sins of other people. For example, here's a man who is, he, he's gotten on alcohol and he's out driving his car and he hits a family mother and father and children, and he kills the parents and those children are injured but they live, those children are going to suffer for the rest of their life because of the sin of that man. We suffer because of the sins of others. A man suffers sometimes because of his own sins. Here's a person who becomes addicted to the use of Drugs. And as a result of being addicted to drugs, their health begins to deteriorate. And they die a gradual death. Oh, it may take years, but they're beginning to die gradually every day because of their sin. This is self inflicted suffering. Don't blame that kind of suffering on God. There are storms and floods and earthquakes and diseases. And sometimes people ask if God is so powerful, why doesn't he stop these things? It's not a matter of God being able to stop a a catastrophe, but should God set aside his natural law for the protection of man? Should he do that? If a man fell from a building, what would happen if God momentarily set aside the law of gravity to save that man? that that would cause chaos all over the world. And if God broke all the laws of nature for the protection of man, we would suffer more from this chaos than we would from the natural catastrophe. You see, God has created the best possible world for us in which to live because this world is regulated by law, by natural law. We should not charge God with being the cause of trouble and suffering in our world. I want to remind you of what David said in the 119th Psalm, verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Suffering can cause us to draw closer and closer to God. But another conception some have of God is that he is a being too loving to allow anyone to be lost. Now some will be lost. Christ said not enter ye at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction and in many there be that go in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life and few there be that find it it just becomes quite obvious from those verses that some people will go to heaven and some people will not But but it's not God's desire that any single person be lost. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy 2 and 4, we're told that God would have all men to be saved and and come to a knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to usward. Listen to it. Not willing that any should perish. And that's the reason he gave his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. See, he wants to save all men. That's why he sent his son. Paul told Timothy that this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. God loves you and he wants you to be saved. He wants you to be saved from your sins. In order to be saved from your sins, you must believe in God and believe in Jesus. You must be willing to repent of your sins, Luke 13 and 3. Jesus said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. You must be willing to confess your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father. You must be baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, Acts 2, 38. Because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He wants you to be saved. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love, Jeremiah 31, 3. He loves you even when you're not very lovable, Romans 5 and verse 8. And He loves you so much that He let His Son die on the cross for you. That's the kind of a God He is. Oh, we have all kinds of ideas about God, all kinds of conceptions about God, that God is mean and that God is hateful and that God is is harsh and that God is unloving. But God can be severe with those that break His law. But He's a God of love and mercy and grace who wants to save all mankind, wherever you are right now, wherever you live right now, God wants you to be saved. And remember, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You're baptized into Christ, Galatians 3, 27. To baptize baptized into His death, Romans 6 and 3. He, in His death, He shed His blood. That's where we come in contact by faith with His blood. That washes away our sins, Acts 22:16. I'd urge you to do that because God is so good, and God wants you to be saved. I want to thank you for watching today, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Is my prayer.
0: Give me the Join us next time for getting to know your Bible.